Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast. I am your host, Denise Green. And this one is all about brilliant presentation skills. I thought it would be really fun to talk about this topic that produces so much fear in so many people. And fear is one of the most common emotions that humans experience because of the way our brains are wired, as you now know. And it's overused. It's not necessary, but our brain produces fear all the time. And our thoughts now, as you know, produce emotions that create vibrations in our body and then lead us to take actions or inactions that produce our results. And this is so relevant when it comes to public speaking, the dreaded topic of public speaking. So many people have fears about public speaking. I recently had a new client who literally had an anxiety attack while on stage. And now she has so much fear consuming her whenever she talks or thinks about even giving a speech. So I asked her to tell me about something that was coming up that she had to do. And she described the talk, and it was on something that she is a subject matter expert in. Um, And this woman is brilliant. She has so much experience. And I did I asked her to describe who was going to be there, how many people were going to be there, and learned that there were going to be fewer than 20 people. They were going to be sitting at a table, and she was going to be sitting at the table. And I said to her, from now on, you are not allowed to use the term presenting. This is not a presentation. This is a conversation. And I don't care if you're talking to three people, 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people. It is a conversation. Nobody wants to be talked at. So even if you're doing most of the talking, we want to feel like we are coming along with you. We want to feel like you are bringing us in, not throwing facts at us. And what a lot of people forget is that humans are emotional beings. We want to relate We want to connect. We want to be inspired, to be moved. And slides with facts and figures and numbers and somebody droning on does none of that. We are way too bored and uninspired at work. And in many parts of our lives, we want to be inspired. We want to be influenced. We want to be changed. And that is why I love public speaking. Now, this was not always the case. I used to have the phobia, just like so many other people. So what changed for me? Well, one, I went through a program. I think it was only two days, but it changed everything about how I thought about public speaking. And it gave me confidence. It helped me know what I was doing well and what I needed to improve, and what my own special sauce was. 
how to bring my personality, my gifts forward in a way that was unique to me and that will be unique to you. Only you are you. So that is one of the secrets to public speaking is to find that and bring it forth. I'll never forget when I was taking a class from the Henderson group and Mr. Henderson said to me, you young lady have an edge. And I thought, oh, I do. Thank you. I have a way of bringing forth humor and saying things that could be uh, construed as, um, I guess, too edgy, um, but I am able to temper it. I am able to moderate it and to know when it's appropriate and who it's appropriate with. Um, just recently, I was speaking with a man who wanted to change, wanted to be a better leader, and I looked at him and I said, you need to be messy. And he looked at me and I said, this, you, you are too perfect. And he was, and he was trying very, 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 very hard to be perfect. And I can get away with that because it's just my natural style and it comes from such a place of love and such a place of really internalizing and knowing almost instantly that it was okay to say that with him because he was so confident I needed to ruffle him up a little bit. So that's one of my special sauces, but you got to find out what's right for you. For you, it may be that you're introverted and you put people at ease with just your shyness. Yes, you can be shy and be a great public speaker. There is no one best uh, recipe. So we have to have this mindset that I am not talking at you. I am talking with you, even if I'm doing most of the talking. And then we create pockets for people to talk with each other. I actually never do keynotes. I mean, someday, well, you know, I'll do an 18-minute TED Talk. But I like to get people talking with each other. I don't care if I'm talking for 10 minutes or 20 minutes, because that's where the magic is happening. I want them to share with a neighbor what's going on in their head. So I am constantly keeping people engaged, whether it's through my questions, open-ended questions, sometimes rhetorical questions. Um, we're keeping people's hearts and minds engaged. So this notion that we're talking at people, we're presenting, is one of the, thing that gets, one of the things that gets us in trouble. The other one is that we feel like we have to be perfect. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't know a single perfect human being. If I see somebody trying to be perfect, it makes me very uncomfortable. What are they trying to hide? I just want them to be real. Now, this doesn't mean I don't want them to be polished and prepared. Yes, I want you to prepare your heart out. Make sure you have the most beautiful, compelling, inspirational visuals. Make sure you have stories and metaphors that will make me think and feel in a different way. Make sure you have practiced so you know what you want to say, you know what you want to share, but let it all go and be present and be real. Because if you try to force the conversation to go the way you practiced, but that's not the way it needs to go, you're going to lose them. And when it comes to preparation, again, there is no one right way. A lot of people say practice in front of a mirror. 
Yes, if you have some quirks that you need to make sure are worked out, uh, then practice in front of a mirror. If it really helps you to practice in front of a mirror, go for it. For me, this doesn't work. I don't even talk out loud when I practice. So I don't know how common this is, but for me, I get my visuals really strong. I come up with my stories. I write out my notes on the slides, on the slide pages, and I usually print out six slides per page. I write out my notes, and that doesn't give you a lot of room to write a lot of notes, but it's all in my head. I know my transitions. I know my metaphors. I know my stories. I know the questions I'm going to ask, but then I let it go, and it's all in my head. It's practiced. It's part of my muscle memory, and that allows me to just be present, and I don't worry if I forget to tell a certain element of a story, or if I ask a slightly different question than I planned on asking, it's okay as long as I'm present and responsive. So I prepare in my head. I don't actually talk to anyone when I prepare. And it works for me because I am so there in my head. I am envisioning myself in the room. So we need to remember that people are making decisions emotionally. And in order for us to connect emotionally with people, we have to be present. And if you doubt that people are making decisions emotionally, um, let me just remind you about Dan Kahneman's Nobel-winning research. He won the Nobel in economics, even though his research is as, as a psychologist. And he found that people are moved to make financial decisions, but it's really any decision, by emotion. So as we all know from the STEER model, we actually have a thought that triggers an emotion. And oftentimes the thought is one of fear. Um, and then we back it up with logic afterward. So we want, I don't really believe in um, motivating through fear. I'd rather inspire people. And maybe it's present an image or tell a story something that really moves people, because then they will actually want to change. So just like you don't have to prepare like anyone else, you don't have to present like anyone else. So when you notice yourself comparing yourself to somebody else, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's somebody on TV um, or on a TED Talk, sure, you can be inspired by certain things that they do, especially if those things that they do resonate with you because they resonate with your style and your personality and what feels comfortable for you, then go ahead and borrow those tools. That's the way to use comparison, not to say, oh, I'll never be as good as her, or I'll never tell funny stories like that, or I'm not, I'm not as smart as that. You just be you. The other way where perfection really trips us up is in making our visuals. I cannot tell you how many wasted hours are spent in PowerPoint hell in corporations. People spend so much time trying to make presentations perfect. And I wish you could see I'm using air quotes here because there is no such thing as a perfect presentation. But there is such a thing as a very uninspired presentation that people spend hours and hours slaving over the fonts, the colors, the commas. Who cares? Nobody 
cares. Of course, we all get in the habit of nitpicking, but it's not out of care. It's not out of love. It's out of fear. Out of fear that my slides might have an error. I got to tell you, nobody wants you to read your slides. Nobody wants to read your detailed slides. And if you are reading your slides, why are you even there? Why don't you just have the person read the slides? So even if you have to present data to somebody, they can read the data. You need to be the storyteller. You need to be the dot connector. What does the data tell? What do you want this person to do? What do you want this person to think about as you're talking? What do you need from them? Two of my favorite, uh, I was going to say present presenters, but they're writers, they're teachers on this topic are Gar Reynolds and Nancy Duarte. So Nancy Duarte wrote Slideology and many other books. And her stuff is great for corporate people who have to present a lot of graphics and a lot of data. It's interesting, it's creative, there's a lot of infographics, um, and she helps walk you through the process of actually creating the concept and the messaging and the slides. Now, Gar Reynolds wrote a book that has changed many people's lives, including myself, called Presentation Zen. And in it, besides just his brilliant insights, he has brilliant insights from some of the world's most famous and effective presenters. And in his opening, he has a two-page spread by Seth Godin. And one of the things that Seth says is that you should never have more than six words on a slide. Ever. I love that. Seth uses pictures, as we all should be using pictures. No fancy dissolves and spins. Uh, PowerPoint is ruining presentations, by the way. Um, and he recommends something that I have done ever since I read this book, and that is, instead of putting all the data and words on a slide, create a written document. I hand out a Word document. It's not fancy, but it has all the crucial information from my talk. There's no need to print out slides, which, by the way, slides end up being about 100 meg files, because if you use imagery, those are big, beautiful photographs with uh, a lot of megabytes. So you can't even send those to people, which is great, so you don't get this shopping around of the presentation. And he says, remember, the presentation is to make an emotional sale. The document is the proof that helps the intellectuals in your audience accept the idea that you've sold them on emotionally. Don't hand out printouts of your slides. They don't work without you there. And it is so true. When people say, can I have your slides? I'm like, they will make no sense unless I'm there. They're just visuals to help engage people's hearts and minds by, by connecting with their emotions. So that's what Seth has to say. Excuse me looking at my next page in the Gar Reynolds book because there's so much good stuff in here. So one of the things I want you to do when you notice yourself feeling fear, or a lot of us call it anxiety or nervousness, is I want you to reframe that as excitement. I am excited about the opportunity that I get to make a difference in people's lives right now. And some of the things you can do to reduce your fear include preparing. So if you know your stuff, you're going to feel much more confident 
before you go out there. But again, you have to let it go. And one of the things I also love to do when I get into a room is go up and talk to people. And I'm pretty introverted, but I like to go to, up to people as they come in and find something about them. Like, oh, you're the first here. Congratulations. Or, oh, you sat in the front. That's so cool. I won't call on you unless you raise your hand. I'll be really nice to you. Um, it's those people in the back I'm going to really mess with. Um, asking people's names, introducing myself, just saying hi, complimenting their shoes if I really happen to like their shoes. This all just starts to build connection, which is important for both of us, but it also helps to put me at ease because now I feel like you're my friend and everybody in that room is my friend. They just don't know it yet. But now I'm starting to feel it and then I can use them later if I remember their name from meeting them. I can use them later in the talk and say, so Sally, what do you think about people? How do you know Sally? Oh, well, you know, we talked beforehand. The other thing you can do is breathe. So whatever you need to do in order to calm yourself and set an intention for how you want to be. Now, I know it's really tempting to turn off the lights so people can't see you and to stand behind a podium or some kind of desk or barrier, but all of those things create disconnection. If you are truly wanting to be real and connect with people, don't use those tricks. Um, you can dim the lights just barely above the presentation slides if people can't read them well, or close the blinds. But you should have the lights up, you should have no barrier between you and the people, and if I ever have a podium, all I do is sit my water on it. That's what my podium is for. I like to use a tiny little table to put my notes on or my, my workbook on, and then I actually hold the slides with my notes. It's okay if you need to hold your slides. Now, if you're reading from it, that's a bad thing. But mine just gives me, if I don't have the tool where it shows me what the next slide is, it just reminds me what's coming next. But I'm constantly um, engaging with the group. I'm walking around them. I'm talking with them. I'm making eye contact, natural eye contact. So you also have to let go. Even though you're prepared, you have to let go. If they want to spend 95% of the talk on the first section because that's where the energy is, okay, now that's pretty extreme, but I'm always prepared to know what I can cut, what I can shorten, and one thing I almost never shorten is the time they get to talk with each other because there is magic happening. Now I'll walk around and make sure that they're not now talking about the weather or the weekend because then I realize I've gone too long, but there is richness going on. And I always tell them the only part I don't like about public speaking is interrupting incredible conversations, but it's my job to keep them on track and keep them on time, and they always forgive me for that. So I want to leave you with uh, the words of Benjamin Zander. I don't know if any of you have heard of him, but he is amazing, and his book wrote with Rosamund Zander, The Art of Possibility, Transforming Professional and Personal Life, is a must-read. So that's Ben Zander, The Art of Possibility. He's actually a conductor for the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. He's also one of the best presenters in the world. And he writes about um, presenting, he writes about life, um, but he always uses his experience as a conductor. And he writes, this is the moment, the most important moment, which is we are about contribution. That is what our job is. It's not about impressing people. It's not about getting the next job. It's about contributing something. And when it comes to presentation skills, he writes, rather than asking questions such as, 
Will I be appreciated? Will I win them over? And so on. Ask instead, how can I make a contribution? We are about contribution. That's what our job is. And that is why I love public speaking. And that is why I love speaking to as many people as you can fit in a ballroom because I want to help and I want to help as many people as possible change. That's what my life is about. Now, I'm going to give you one, uh, one thing to take away that I never tell anybody. But one of the other things I do to assure that I am grounded and that I'm creating the most, um, the best environment that's most conducive to creation and contribution is I call upon my guardian angel. Now, I don't know who you believe in or what you believe in, um, but I always find, I, I feel kind of bad for people who believe in nothing because then they have to find it all from within. Now, you can do that. You can go from within and tap into um, your ideals of who you want to be and what you want to contribute. Um, but for me, I do that as well. And I also call upon my guardian angel. And she happens to be the angel in charge of grace. And I ask her, before I give a talk, I stand in the middle of the room or sometimes at the front of the room, but I imagine myself surrounded by people. And I ask her to please help me be a conduit for grace and inspiration. Because why else am I there? We're not there to impress. Here's the big secret. It's not about you. It's about them. All that preparation you did was not to shine. It was to let them shine. It was to bring out the brilliance within them. And when we do that, we are in service. And when you're in service, you're no longer in fear. You are in purpose and joy. So I hope you'll try this out, even if it's uh, giving a talk at your school or at work, um, wherever you can contribute, bring forward your personality. Bring forward your stories, your metaphors, um, your, um, your brilliance. And I can't wait to hear how it goes. I hope this has been helpful. I hope you're excited, not fearful, but excited to go out and make a change in the world with your presence, with your voice. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes. <laughs>